Welcome everyone to Lessons with Mike. I'm here with Mr. Zach. Well, hello. And today we're going to do something that uh, is not normally done on this ep- series. We're What's gonna a, that? We're going to have a serious, thought-provoking, philosophical discussion. No, it's not. It's going to be a really intimate and and personal conversation. It's going to be an experience. We're going to discuss how each of us came to our current religious beliefs. Ooh, this is this is uh it's gonna be an interesting one. Right. So background, I grew up Pentecostal, Zach grew up Catholic, and over the years, both of us have diverged from that a little bit. Um I'm in a weird phase where I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going on, but if I had to pick one, I would pick the atheist label. But I'm not a fan of labels, so we're just gonna say undetermined. You're spiritual but not religious. Yes, I see value in a lot of these teachings and I try to live by them as best I can, but the supernatural stuff is not something I'm particularly interested in at this time. At this time, maybe, maybe at a in later the future. <laughs> you know, to TBD. TBD. And Zach, what about you? Well, I mean, I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. Still basically identify as such, mm-hmm. you know. I remember I would have to go to church constantly, like all the time. I would go on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. I'd go to the women's meetings for some reason. <laughs> Wait, why? I don't know, but Grandma really wanted me to go to those women's meetings. <laughs> to learn how to be a better woman. I, I don't know. And she kept telling me, they just, they're just called that. Anyone can come, really. It's open to everyone. And there were other men there, mostly husbands of the women who kind of were forced to be there. Yeah. They weren't there by choice. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'd be a good place to go find women. At the women's meeting? Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. It's literally a bunch of women meeting together. That's true. Talking about Jesus and speaking in tongues very loudly. Oh, God. And that's something that uh, Zach didn't experience growing up, but I did. A uh, lot of screaming, shouting, condemning. A lot of condemning. That was like their favorite thing to do. Uh, Mine was more like... Silent condemning. Silent condemning. Yeah. We were condemned loudly. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I grew up most of my life feeling like absolute trash because I was taught that if I didn't do this, if I didn't do this, then I was just going to burn forever and ever until the end of time. Nice. You yeah. said goals name for I, I did. I was like, yeah. well, you know. And one thing that, we're ta- that I was taught is that if you commit a sin, if you don't ask for forgiveness, if you were to die without having repented, you would go to hell regardless. And since the definition of sin is so vague and it's open to interpretation depending on who's telling you what's the sin, That's fair. I was like 70 times a day praying for forgiveness because I was like, oh no, could this have been a sin? Let me say the forgiveness prayer just in case. Yeah, you kind of lived in paranoia. Complete wow. paranoia. And... I would go to church retreats, youth camps, camp meetings, tent revivals. I would be there all the time, and I hated it. I hated going that much. It made me feel terrible. I didn't really have any friends. Yeah. And then uh, this was the church that I went to that I took you to one day. It's a grandma's church. Now, what's the name of that place? I don't want to say the name. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We're We're not allowed to say names. Yeah, because there's a lot of nice people there, but I just don't want to say their names. Yeah, that's fair. You know, well, I mean, I, I, I also experienced your, uh, some of your Pentecostal upbringings. Yeah. It's, um, it's very different than what I grew up with.
is. Yeah. Mine was way more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there there still was the, you know, I guess you could say the mentality of if you do something wrong, more or less, God doesn't like you anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that was like how it was intended to be portrayed, but that's how it kind of came off, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you do something wrong, God doesn't like you, well then, okay, you better, you know, go check off your list so God will like you again. Mm-hmm. Which is not how it's supposed to be, but that's how a lot of people view it, how they convey it. I got a lot of that same exact thing, and this is where the conflict came about, because when I switched churches to go to the church that I later became very heavily involved in, mm-hmm. and met a lot of good people there, became friends with a lot of people, and there were conflicting messages, because I would hear from some people that God is very loving, loves you, wants what's best for you, wants yep. you to succeed in life. And other people would say things like, God doesn't care about what you want. It's all about furthering God's purposes. You are just a tool to be used. And that language I never really liked. It just seems very manipulative to me. It's not like, I mean, it's the mentality of God is superior to you. So, and it's not to say that, you know, like, all Christians don't agree that, you know, God's, like, perfected or, you know, perfect, you know, entity or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But it's the, it's the mentality that God just wants to basically, like, use and abuse you. Like, you have no value to God. Exactly. God only sees you as something to further his own purposes. Yeah. And... The, con- the conflict is this, because I went to a private Christian school as well that was based on the Baptist church. Right. So that was where I was going to school, going to Pentecostal church. Those, there's conflict there, because, of course, Baptists and Pentecostals don't believe the same thing. And this is when I got really into TV preachers. Joel mm-hmm. Osteen, for example, is a big one. Mm-hmm. I remember for Christmas one year, I asked for a Joel Osteen book, and I got it. I read it really quick. Yeah. Like within a day, because now I realize his books aren't that deep. But at the time, I was like, this is such a good book. I read it so quickly. And it was just a refreshing take for me because his book was talking about how God loves you and wants what's best for you mm-hmm. and wants you to succeed in life, not only for his purposes, but financially and for your own purposes as well. So yeah. that was a very fresh take for me. I really enjoyed it. It was that. different. Mm-hmm. And over time, I began to notice this same theme in other preachers because I would go to conferences. Mm-hmm. I would I would be a, a supervisor at conferences. I would be in charge of a younger group of people at these conferences. And this same theme kept coming in that God loves you, God accepts you. And then this is another conflict because God loves and accepts us, but he also hates you if you do any of these things and if you do any of these things, well, yeah, God loves you, but you're still going to go to hell because you do these things. Things like being gay, things like watching porn, things like telling a lie every now and again, all of these are terrible, horrible things. And you deserve to burn forever. If you do them even once or even think about doing them like the Westboro Baptist church, you know, and I lived in a bit of a bubble for most of my life. All of my friends were for the most part religious or at least claim to be only later did i find out some of them weren't into it at all i thought i was the only one but that's that wasn't the case yeah and 
once I got out of this bubble, once I went to college and started meeting people of diverse experiences and backgrounds, Catholics, Muslims, gay people, even the legal immigrants, I was like, these people are really cool. I get along with these people, but I'm told that they are all going to burn in hell forever. And that's a disconnect there. Like you're Catholic and we're really close. Growing up, I was taught that Catholics weren't really saved. They weren't true Christians. It makes you feel any better. We were taught the same thing. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a mutual thing. We yeah. grew up with the same, you know, upbringing. And when I started dating my wife, who was Catholic, at the time I was still in the, the questioning phase. I still tried really hard to believe it because everyone else around me was really into it. I tried so hard and I just couldn't do it. And then the thing I was most afraid of telling my family was that she was Catholic because I knew that would be looked down at. And it was. And, and since then, my family has, you know, they, they, they've accepted her. They've, they've been very nice to her. But yeah. several comments were made to me in private about how she's Catholic, how she's taking me away from uh, from what I was brought up. The one in. true faith. Yeah. yeah. Several comments were made to me privately. Never to her that I'm aware of, but to me privately, several comments I didn't like were made. Yeah. And as this continued, this is when I began to like drift away. And this is something I really wanted to talk about. I'm sorry I'm taking a lot of your time. But when I finish, you'll, you, you can ramble on. Ramblings with Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so are you familiar with Natish? Sounds familiar. The philosopher. The one who said uh, God is dead. Nietzsche? Yeah, Nietzsche. <laughs> Natish? <laughs> Nietzsche. I thought we were talking about some like Hindu goddess or something. <laughs> Nietzsche, whatever his name is. So Nietzsche? Nietzsche. Sure. He talks about the three stages of man. Mm -hmm. uh, the first stage is a camel. And when you're a camel, you take on and accept everything that you're told to every belief that you're raised in you, you accept it right but there becomes a point where it becomes too heavy and you collapse right and at that point you become a lion and your sole mission in life is to destroy and tear apart every single one of these beliefs that you grew up in yeah and for a time for a very long time i was in that phase where i was like this is stupid this is nonsense this is complete nonsense how can anyone who has any brain cells believe this for a long time i was like that yeah and now I'm starting to enter the third phase, which is the child phase. And he describes that as someone who looks at the world and creates their own belief system from it. Right. So takes the good, takes what they believe to be the good parts and realizes there is value in some of it and disregards the, the parts that they feel are harmful. Well, I think the second one is interesting, you know, with the tearing everything apart, mm -hmm. you know. Because it's like, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, when they grow up Catholic, it, it becomes a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. It's the same with like Muslims, uh, Hindus, you know, like it's, it's not so much a religion. It's a, you know, well, my family did it. Mm -hmm. So I have all the same customs. Like I don't eat meat on Fridays, mm -hmm. you know, or stuff like that, you know. So you have all of those, you know, customs, whatever else, but you don't really have much of a belief system. You just do it because that's what you were told to do. And when I was growing up, I mean, that was kind of the case. So, you know, I one day just kind of decided that, you know, I want to find things for myself. Like I want to figure out, you know, what I believe, why I believe it. I, I don't want to just believe something just because i was told to believe it like i remember i you know i i had talked to one 
uh, Catholic priests, and I had a bunch of different questions for him. And when it really came down to it, when I would ask him, well, you know, why do we do this? Why do we believe that? And whatever else, I was basically told, well, the Catholic Church tells you to believe this, so go with it. And I was like, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. And then now in the reverse respect, there was another Catholic priest that I had talked to who, you know, had answers, who seemed way more knowledgeable, seemed like he knew what he was talking about. So, I mean, I think there's, there's like this weird, like, dynamic that, you know, growing up Catholic, it was more of like a community aspect. Yeah, it was more like a, not just like a blind following. Like, because it's not trying to say it's like a cult or anything yeah. like that, but it's, it is a, you just go with it. You don't yeah. really care enough mm-hmm. to really question anything. So it, it always comes up as odd if you have like mm-hmm. the Catholic person who's just like, well, let's ask a bunch of questions. Like, let's really see things from different perspectives. It's very similar to Pentecostal tradition from my experience, because any questions were dismissed with, pray about it the lord will give you an answer pray about it read the bible and same with everything else you have a problem read the bible but i'd rather go to therapy nope read the bible yeah and nowhere in the bible does it say that you shouldn't go to therapy yeah i mean in fact the bible encourages you to seek out help if you need it if you someone who is older wiser whatever yeah i mean it's what i what i it always baffles me is you either have, like, in, this is even in Christianity, you'll mm-hmm. see this, you have the two camps. The one is God hates you, doesn't matter what you do, you're going to go to hell kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you have, like, no hope of anything. But then there's the other camp which say, doesn't matter what you do because nothing really matters, God loves you, whatever, you know. I can't get behind either one of those. No, it's it's... It's like, it's like, okay, think of like a parent, okay? Mm-hmm. A parent is going to love you, but a parent is also going to disappoint you, mm-hmm. okay? I don't, I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's like the, the give and take kind of thing. But when you go the full on, like, God just is never going to be happy with you, no matter mm-hmm. what you do, the slightest little slip up, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the way that's interpreted by a lot of Protestants, I'm not sure how Catholics, because I know Catholics have purgatory. We don't, that, that wasn't a thing in Pentecostal beliefs growing up. So hell was forever. There was no end. And it's not like, because some religious groups believe that, oh, uh, you just cease to exist. But no, you are tortured and burned forever and ever, and it never ends. Right. And you're aware of what's going on. Like, you're consciously aware of what's going on. Yeah. This is just silly to me this whole concept that a god who is supposed to be your all-loving father who's supposed to care about you you do something that makes him upset or something he doesn't like or even if you're gay for instance biological science has proven that some men some women are born with different levels of testosterone different levels of estrogen that's that's a fact yeah and you can't control these things this is just how you're born some some would argue that, oh, nope, doesn't matter. You're going straight to hell. You take it another extreme. Racist people, they'll say, you're born with the wrong skin color. You can't get into heaven. 
Yeah. In the Mormon faith, I know that if you're black, you're looked down as lesser than the true people. Well, they changed that. That that was changed, but like when it was founded, that was a thing. You were looked down on and and things like that just don't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean like well, I mean in when I was on my, you know, I guess journey, mm-hmm. whatever else, you know, trying to find truth, you know, if you want to call it that. You know, I read the Bible, I read the Quran, I read the Torah, I read all of them mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, okay, I want to learn what these other people like why do these people hold to this mm-hmm. you know and at one point i you know was like you know still being in the catholic mindset i went towards a not exactly like an extremist mm-hmm. catholic but it was more like the the ultra traditional mm-hmm. kind of like current church bad old church was the best mm-hmm. and that is about as judgmental as you can get. I mean, that that mentality is, well, it's not just only Catholics that go to heaven. It's our specific group. Mm-hmm. You know? We had the same exact thing. It's not all Christians. It's not even all Pentecostals. You have to speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my church that taught that, but other Pentecostal churches teach that. Yep. You have to speak in tongues. Otherwise, you're not a real Christian. Otherwise, you're going straight to hell. Yep. I mean, and I, I experienced the, the mentality of like, and, and this is in the, in the mainstream Catholic world, this really isn't the case. It's really when you get into mm-hmm. like the, the splinter groups kind of thing is the mentality of, well, when you ask our, you know, Protestants, Christians, and they'll say, well, technically they are, but they don't have everything that we do. Therefore, they're not saved. They wouldn't go to heaven because they don't have, you know, our medallions or confessions. Right. Basically, if you don't have that, there's no way you could go to heaven. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different, you know, groups and beliefs and, you know, whatever else. But, I mean, none of it, if you ask these people, okay, well, if you're saying this is, you know, a Christian belief, you know, okay, show it to me in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Show it to me and even, you know, what the early Christians taught. And you can't pinpoint it. And it'll just be like, well, it developed later on, you know, kind of like the speaking mm-hmm. in tongues equals salvation. I mean, that yeah. was, can't pinpoint when that was taught, mm-hmm. you know. The Pentecostals are relatively new. Like this mm-hmm. wasn't a thing until around the 60s, 70s. That's when it really took off, mm-hmm. yeah. So the argument that this is the one true faith, I mean, it's existed. People are older than, it, than this has existed. Yeah. So when I was going through my search for which one was correct, I was like, okay, let me find the oldest possible religion because that one has to be the one that has the most merit to it. It turns out the oldest possible religion is a bunch of cavemen worshiping a stick. <laughs> Wasn't it... Uh... Was it Zoroastrianism? Yeah, and then that's like the first modern one we know about. But yeah. there's there's been evidences of, of cavemen gathering around and like presenting offerings to some drawing or to some carving in the wood. Yeah. And it's like, well, I feel like I have more knowledge and more awareness than cavemen. Of- the mindset of let's <laughs> pick the first one. We don't want to pick the first one. <laughs> yeah, we're, but then Zoroastrianism, I looked into that one. 
And that one doesn't make any sense to me. It's very confusing. Yeah, I, I tried to look into it at one yeah. point because I was like, what is this? And I was I was just like, yeah, I can't do this. Yeah. And that's how I am. Maybe it's just because I was raised a certain way, but I get very uh what's the word dismissive when i try to research other religions when i was trying to research the quran uh, when i was researching hindu religions i was like this is so stupid but then you would think that someone grew up in that faith would think the same thing about the christian beliefs right you're more prone to like and accept what you grew up in yeah yeah well i think a lot of it comes down to you know you could say like logic and reason Mm -hmm. you know like the reason why the concept of the Greek gods and the Roman gods ended up just falling through and just not making any sense is because you don't have a god for everything. Yeah. You don't have the sun god, the moon god, you know. That's just a silly concept. Yeah. yeah. And it was basically like all their beliefs as to why things happened. Oh, the rain didn't happen because we made Zeus mad or whatever was just proven by science. Yeah. And the fact that everybody who believed it just died, you know. <laughs> like people there's no one who follows the Greek gods that I'm aware of like they're an actual religion. There's no one who follows the Roman gods like they're a religion. People are aware that this was a cultural thing of the times that less aware people used to explain things. Mm-hmm. But with all the big religions today, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, it's different because there's been a lasting stay to these like thousands of years these they've survived and more or less they they've remained somewhat consistent there have been several splinter groups here and there yeah but the actual texts have remained consistent for the most part right discounting any translation issues the bible thousands of years old the quran thousands of years old the the hindu texts thousands of years old torah yeah super old stuff and there have consistently been people believing in this stuff for millennia and there's a so there's nothing that can be done to get away with these religions. This these are a staying part of life. Yeah, they're not. You know, I mean, you can argue. Okay, you know, there's there's less people that follow. You know, say the Jewish faith now yeah. than there was a thousand years ago. But I mean, there's still yeah plenty of them out there. There's always going to be Jews, Muslims, Christians. These yeah. will always be religions that exist they're not they're never going away yeah you know and if they are we're talking about like Like catastrophic change like nuclear war would have to happen to kill them all and that would be not ideal you would have to nuke like three continents yeah for that to happen even still that probably wouldn't do it. that probably would like everyone on the planet would have to die to get rid of like 98 percent of the people would have to die to get rid of one of these and and these religions, a lot of people who are atheists say, oh, religion is bad, religion is evil. Like I read uh, Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. Oh, God. And at the time, I was still in the, the phase where, oh, I hate this. This is stupid. So I really liked it at the time. Going back, looking at it, I'm like, dude, you're a little harsh. Well, like not all Catholics are rapists. Not all Muslims are terrorists. Not all Christians are protesting the gays. Like there's a lot of good people who believe all kinds of things. Well, I mean, if you want to say, okay, religion is the one that caused all these problems, then why were all the dictators atheists? I mean, they all hated religion, too. Yeah. I mean, you don't see Hitler going around being like, oh, look, he got his first communion today. I mean, that wasn't a thing. Yeah, and even if they claimed to be, because some people say, oh, Hitler was a Christian. No. Hitler absolutely hated not. 
he hate well Hitler hated um like anything that was like organized. Basically, he hated, you know, the he hated the Catholics because the Catholics, you know, wrote papers that were against him and they weren't aligned with the Nazis. He hated the Jews for a really stupid reason. Yeah, it's like an ethnic thing. He and the same reason why he hated the gypsies. Mm-hmm. He hated the Masons because he felt like the Masons were going to try to overthrow him. He hated the gays because he thought they oh were, no, they weren't going to produce any more Aryan children or whatever. The only thing that he like Hitler believed in the supernatural because yeah. he had a whole occult division. Yeah. But I mean Stalin hated religion. Oh yeah. Same with like I mean like Mao in China. Like Mao that. hated religion. Pol Pot. Yeah, they got rid of that. That was like one of the first things they got rid of. Kim Jong-il. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's just... organized religion doesn't exist in North Korea that I'm aware of. Like, it's all underground. I mean, even China has Christianity. Yeah. I mean, it's their version of it, but I mean, they at least have it. It's where the state controls it, and I don't think that's ideal. The separation of church and state thing... The church shouldn't be involved in making laws, but the state should not be involved in telling the churches what to say. Yeah. If what the church says, what any particular church, like the Westboro Baptist Church, for instance, that church will not not exist in 40 years. I don't think it still does, does it? I don't know. There, I, there's, I know some of the people are, have to be still alive. What was it? Was it Fred Thompson? Was Fred, there Fred Phelps. Fred Phelps. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to think. Okay, Fred Phelps. Yeah, he died, but I know the church obviously still has some people, but yeah. people aren't signing up to join that. His like grandkids like all left. Yeah, a lot of them left. So what often happens is you see like a small subset of the population. Mm-hmm. Because what's that phrase? The craziest people are the most vocal. Yeah. And that's for any group. The Christians, the atheists, the the Buddhists, the Muslims, any group, you will only be exposed to the extreme minority that are definitely not in touch with the mainstream. It's kind of like, you know, your vision of when someone says atheism, who's the first person you're thinking of? You're thinking of Carl Sagan and Richard Dawkins. Yeah. Those are the two people mm-hmm. who hate religion, are extremely egotistical, mm-hmm. and not people you really want to be around. Yeah. Like Richard Dawkins, he's, I, I, lo- I like some of his books. I, like his books that don't talk about atheism so much. Like his books that his talk science. about... Yeah, his science books, I really yeah. love those. But I would not want to hang out with him at a party. I feel like he'd bring the mood down. Yeah, I mean, it's well, it's depressing. To them, it's just like, we're all going to die. There is no hope. Yeah, nothing matters. We're all doomed. Yeah. And even if that's true, why would you live life like that? Yeah. That just is depressing. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> like... If someone believes something and it doesn't harm anyone, that's perfectly fine. Well, now, this is something else I wanted to touch on. Mm-hmm. This is something that I think is a little harmful. A lot of the Christian school I went to mm-hmm. interpreted the Bible literally and used that to teach science. So I had no idea how evolution worked. I had no idea about how geology or biology worked until I learned about these things. Right. In Catholic college that we went to, they actually taught evolution. Yeah. This this idea, it's incompatible, really. And even if not just the Bible, if you look at any religious text, literally, I, in, not even religious text, the Constitution, for example, you have to be in the mind of when this was written, right. hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. And it's just strange to me how people spend all this time trying to apply these things to today, when in reality, I think those things are irrelevant, and I think what I should actually be focused on are the moral lessons that we can learn. Not like the factual, what does it matter if King David killed three people or if he killed five people? 
I think the moral lessons that we can should focus on should take the center stage there. Well, I think it's kind of like like okay, I think if you if you want to take the Bible at its word, mm-hmm. verbatim, word for word. Okay, here's the problem. Okay, is some people who take the Bible literally word for word, if you tell them, I think the earth is, you know, a billion years old, they will freak out and attack you mm-hmm. because they will say, well, it's actually 5,000 years ago, whatever Even though else. it never says that in the Bible. It does not. So it never says that. What Years don't make a difference, mm-hmm. you know, okay. And also, too, okay, even if you want to deny uh, macroevolution, okay, there is no way you can deny microevolution. There's evidence. You can see it. There's literally, that's why you have a grizzly bear and a polar bear. Exactly. You know, you have the different things that are part of the same class and the same group of animals. But depending on their environment, they evolve to meet the needs of their environment. You can see that happening today in African elephants. They've the woolly mammoths. Yeah, I mean, they they don't have fur anymore. They're they're a lot smaller than the woolly mammoths. And one thing that's very interesting to me, if you look at the size of animals a hundred years ago versus animals now, mm-hmm. because back a hundred years ago, hunting was a lot more prevalent. Yeah, all the big ones killed for trophies. Animals don't get as big as they used to. I wonder why. But yeah, that's that's one thing. And, Honestly, I could keep talking with you about this for hours. This is very, very productive. Very insightful. And we that we have so much, so many more issues to touch on. I, I think we're going to have to uh, to make this a multi-part series. I think so. We'll call it uh, the Catholic and the Atheist, a forbidden love. The only thing you should talk about at a family dinner on Thanksgiving, religion. Mm, yes, yes. And politics. Ooh. Ooh, part two of this oh. is going to feature politics. Oh, I don't think we should get into politics. I'm not brave enough for politics, be brave. Michael. Be brave. I'm not brave enough for politics. We're going to talk about the religious influence on politics. This is this this is going to get uh, interesting. And We're going to get canceled. We probably already have been. We have? Well, gosh, diddly darn it. That's all right, though. We had a productive conversation, and uh, thank you all for listening. Hopefully, uh, we aren't canceled. All right, see you all for part two. Bye. Bye.